It is great to see every one of you. And we are getting to see some faces. That's awesome. We're just continuing to follow whatever the CDC guidelines are, and we walk with that, and we just welcome you here today. Hey, I want to tell you about what's coming up. It's called Bees Ferry Fest. Yeah, well, okay, the organizer was back there. Yeah. Um, but Bees Ferry Fest, what we're doing with Bees Ferry Fest is it falls on a fifth Sunday. And on the fifth Sunday, when we have those, it happens like three times a year, we like to do something different. We like to do church a little bit differently. So what we wanted to do was create an environment where people and families could go between um, 9 a.m. and 12 o'clock where they can just see some really good artists, have some really good food, food trucks. We'll have probably the best uh, cover band in Charleston is uh, Midnight City will be playing. This is sponsored by Roper St. Francis. So we're just going to do it right on our front lawn, and, and we're just going to just have a good time. And the reason why we're doing this, we want to serve the community. We want to get people to kind of relax and, and enjoy yourself. And, and, you know, we don't want to have to drive to Marion Square or Daniel Island for everything, right? We, we don't want to go to Daniel Island. Yeah, that's right. I'm feeling it. But we want to be able to do stuff right here in West Ashley. So we want to encourage you to bring somebody with you. Let them have a good time. Let them see that church is not a scary place. We'll be People will say, well, do we be playing praise music on Sunday, Pastor? Uh, and it'll be like, no, it'll be probably um, songs from um, uh, Hotel California and a little bit of uh, Margaritaville and all the other stuff. We're going to have a, just a regular good time. Where, how, well, how about church? How's that going to be? No, it's us relating to one another and to, and to people. That's how church works. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that, and it's coming right around the corner. So we've been talking about fault lines in this series, and it's been really important, and it's really impactful for me. Like I tell you all the time, 90% of the messages that God's given me is because he's talking to me about it, that I am not all the way through this series. I am still learning on this series, and God is speaking to me personally. But as we talk about restoring relationships, I, wanna, I really feel like God wants me to give you a disclaimer because I cannot speak to everybody's particular relationship. They, uh, we're talking about restoring relationships. But I need to be very clear that abuse is not a relationship. I, I know that it, that is something different. I mean, it's a whole different animal. It's really no longer a relationship. Um, the threat of abuse is not a relationship. And it's very important to know that that may not need to be restored. It needs to be forgiven, and that needs to happen for all of us, no matter what has occurred in our lives. But it may not be that it's God's will for it to be restored, for you to put yourself again into harm's way. If you're not sure exactly where abuse starts and when it starts in your life, we have um, a couple counselors here at Crosstown that would be more than happy to help you walk that path. But there are some times when it's just best to forgive and then allow the relationship to have boundaries and separation because the other person maybe in the relationship is not capable of having um, the relationship. So I just want to be very clear about that. But when we talk about fault lines, I think we're really talking about how we rub up against each other, how we have conflict and estrangement with each other. And that conflict and estrangement is in our nature. 
It happened with Adam. It happened with Adam and Eve with God. And then they had a kid, and they had a couple kids, and, and then Cain had estrangement, and, and everyone afterwards has had this issue of, of conflict. And the scriptures, the history of scripture tells us that whenever we try to live together in community, whether it's as a nation, whether it's as a church, whether it's as a family, uh, whether it's as friends, that we will have conflict and we will have fractured relationships. And that the Bible is not a book this, that shows us how it's done, but rather it's a testament to how it has been done and how it can be undone, how we can bring healing to relationships. But unfortunately, we're living in a society that's really, the status quo of our society is to just cancel it and leave it broken or attack it, tear it down, burn it down, whatever language you want to do, or bump them, I'm done with them, you're dead to me. This is really, you know, attack them via Twitter or whatever else it is that we just go after people and then we just leave the relationship broken. But we learned that God is not happy with that status quo. And so last week we learned how we need to heed the words of God to Cain. If you're not sure who Cain is, uh, Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden because there is a fracture that occurs between them and God. And there are some times when the conditions of the relationship, whether it's a marriage, a family, society, where there are real moral infractions against it. Those are real. We're not pretending those things aren't real. And there are some times when the agreement of that relationship needs to be dealt with. And there is time when there is a need for separation. Well, God separates Adam and Eve from the garden, but we find that he follows them right outside the garden all the way to the cross. And that means that God's status quo is not to like, get out of here, you dirtbag, take your wife with you. You know, you ate the fruit, you ate my favorite fruit, get out of here, and, and, and don't you come back in here again. But rather, God's like, okay, we can't live like we were living because a real moral infraction occurred against this relationship. But I'm not gonna leave you there. Um, that even though we cannot operate in this space well right now, I'm gonna follow you to a place where the space can be restored. So let me encourage you, the status quo of God for you is to not leave things broken. So God talks to Cain. He says to him, Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not ex be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. When we talked about that last week, a lot of you emailed me about this idea of ruling over your responses in relationships. That it's something that God says, we've got to be involved in this. This is not just something God fixes that how we respond to one another needs to be ruled over through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the guidance of his word. And we need to rule over it. And so God catches Cain at a time when he's, he's fighting with his brother, and we're gonna find out why, but he's fighting with his brother, and God sits down with Cain and is like, listen, you really need to look into this. What is going on? We need to shed some light on this relationship and what's, what's turned up inside of you. You know, last week, it's really funny that it happened on the same day, but last week I was shooting some photos of some birds. And I, I love uh, photography now. It's kind of like one of my new things. And so I took this photo of this uh, egret. And uh, 
I thought, wow, what an absolutely beautiful little picture. So what photographers will do, instead of being in a dark room where you, you have these fluids that are flammable and you have these papers that you're, you know, imprinting and having this, you know, then taping them all up or, and then bringing out your photos, you uh, take it into a computer software program and it's, it's called Lightroom. And when you take it into Lightroom, I took that photo and I noticed this in that picture. Okay? Now here's the thing. I didn't see the alligator when I was there, okay? I didn't see it in the photo. I thought I got a really good picture of this, this egret. So I was real happy. I was sitting in front of my computer. And all of a sudden, I brought a little light and a little contrast to the image. And all of a sudden, I discovered the alligator, okay? Never saw the alligator while I was there. What it made me realize is, is kind of like what God is saying to Cain in this particular moment. You, we need to rule over, by the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts. That we, we need to start someplace else other than winning the argument. Something else has to happen first. And God is trying to get Cain to zoom in closer to what's going on inside of himself. And what he also is doing is like, I need you to bring a little light of the Holy Spirit into this relationship, into this picture of conflict that you're in, so you understand what's going on. And when you begin to take a look at the picture and you begin to zoom in, you realize that this egret is um, at a point of about to lose its life. But when God talks to Cain about finding out what's going on in the picture and has this conversation about what's going on inside of himself, Cain doesn't want to have that look, doesn't want the lights raised, and he kills his brother. So I was thinking about why was Cain so angry? Um, and I was thinking about why being raised one of eight children and having seven or six other brothers, I don't know how many there were, um, that why did I always find myself in conflict with them? I talked to my brother the other day for about two hours, and I said something to him. I said, listen, you know, I never really had a beef against any of my brothers. It's like, they never really did anything. You know, I got a couple of wedgies. I mean, who didn't? I gave a few wedgies. I got a few wedgies. Uh, to whom it's given, more will be given in return, you know. I mean, all Bible stuff, you know. So we're wedging, you know, we're going through underwear left and right. But other than that, there really wasn't any, I look back, it's like, it's no brother I really just hate. It's like, well, then why didn't you get along with them? Why was there so much tension in the relationships? And I really believe when I looked at Cain's life and his anger, it's, it's because of his comparison to Abel. When he looks at Abel, see, I think Cain murders out of personal dissatisfaction and despair. I, I think he can't make the relationship work, not because Cain took his oatmeal or Cain um, borrowed his bicycle without asking or Cain got a varsity letter and, you know, or stole his varsity letter or whatever it is. I don't think there's any direct act that, Cain, that Abel is committing against Cain. It's how how Abel makes Cain feel about himself. Now, I really think Cain is going to murder somebody. It just happens to be Abel. Because there's something brewing inside of Cain that, that I, don't care, I don't care how the relationship or the argument happened. I don't care how the 
the father-son fallout occurred or the husband-wife fallout or the son-father relationship or whatever the configuration of the relationship that may be broken in your life today, is that unless there's some light brought on you at this particular moment and some contrast brought and some clarity given that you may not be able to deal with the relationship, no matter how right you may be. So... I think Cain doesn't intrinsically hate Abel. I think he just hates what Abel makes him feel like. Do you have anybody like that? I mean, I, I can think of only one person in my life, boy, his picture comes right up to my face, that I absolutely hated at, at growing up. I was in the military. I was in uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. And I remember his face. I'm seeing it right now. And I know I hated that guy. Okay, I may still hate him. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm having these feelings, I may still hate that guy. Um, I'm glad I don't remember his name, but give me a few minutes, I will. But I, there are some people you hate because they're just wicked. Okay, there are some people, the scripture actually talks about we're all fallen short of the glory of God, we're all sinners. But then if you read some Psalms, you'll find out that God hates the wicked. I mean, there are some people that are just like, they go way above. They're overachievers when it comes to, to being sinful. And, and so this guy was just malevolent. He just loved blowing stuff up and messing people's stuff up. And, and I remember just hating him. So I can say there's probably one guy in my life I, I, I hated, intrinsically hated this person. But is that the only person I've ever hated? Oh, no, no, no. No, most of the people I've hated, I've hated because how they made me feel about me. I hate Tom Brady, okay? I hate Tom Brady because, well, let's just, do, do I need to go through the list or do I got some haters with me here, right? Okay, it's what he makes me feel about myself. I mean, the guy's like eternally good looking, um, uh, I'd say, well, he's got a hot wife, but I got a hot wife, so yeah, bump that. But no, it's sometimes we just hate to see people succeed and that remind us maybe that we're getting old or maybe we're not the best at something. You know, or maybe it's because he left us in Boston and went down to Tampa Bay and, and then won a trophy and he showed us, oh, I didn't need you. You know, I mean, it was like, wait a really make, but most of us, we have problems in relationships because of what that person makes us feel about ourselves. And I think that God is challenging Cain and he's challenging us. Are your estrangements or your conflicts really about the other person? Is it really, I mean, did they really do that bad of a thing to you? I mean, you're really angry at them. I mean, you might have said, I'm not gonna talk to you again or bump them or you're dead to me. But let's, let's take a step back. Let's put some light on the light room. Let's increase the contrast. And let's see if there's a gator in the picture. And if maybe in your heart there is something that's crouching inside of you that it doesn't matter. You had a conflict with them, but don't worry. The next person is going to walk in the room. You're going to have a conflict with them. And the next person, and you can get married three times. And, and maybe the third one works because that person you married acquiesces to all your wishes. You know? Does estrangement reflect something that is not quieted within yourself? Before you rush in, and, and, and God, I mean, God doesn't tell 
go to Abel and say, listen, you know what? Your brother Cain's angry at you, and you need to go over there. And it's like, no. He goes to Cain, and it's like, listen, dude, you're not going to get this right with, with Abel. And you need to work on this because, because the gator's about to eat the egret. And I'm trying to stop this. And it's going to require you to look with the power of the Holy Spirit at what's going on inside of you. So is there something inside of you that just kind of you bring into your next conflict? I, yeah, I do. I do. I can tell you. What is the worst thing you can say to me? You can, you can call me freckles. You can call me chicken legs because I've got the chickenest little legs. I mean, I mean, churches wouldn't even take these. There's not enough meat on here. But, I mean, I've got the, you can make fun of me a lot of different ways and all that stuff and no problem. But here's where you'll, you'll fire me up. I mean, it'll be go time. If you were to call me an idiot or to call me stupid. You know, for years I've gone home and after church and said to Susan or one of the girls, I would say, hey, listen, how do you, I think today's sermon went. And they'd say, oh, it went good. And I will say, though, did it make sense? Was it smart? It's like, when did that get in me? It may have been that time I remember when my father and I had a conflict when I was about eight years old, and he said to me, you're just an idiot like your brother. And I was like, so maybe that's in me still. Maybe that's still got some, maybe that's the gator. Or maybe it's the fact that, that I probably scored the least best scores on the SATs of all my brothers. Maybe it's because I tried going to college three times and, and couldn't finish. I mean, it followed me all the way into my 50s to the point where I went to a psychiatrist to get tested to see if I had a learning disability or if I had a low IQ. I was like, you know, I'm probably floating in the 60s to 80s. You know, I'm probably just like one step above Neanderthal. And all the way into my 50s, I thought I was as dumb as a rock, and that's why I could not achieve anything. When did that get into me? But here's the problem is that when that's in you, all of a sudden a normal relationship's going along and you're joking and, you know, giving each other wedgies and you're doing all this other stuff and all of a sudden somebody says, man, you're such an idiot, and you lose it. Maybe there's something going on in this conflict in you and it's not so much the other person. Say, and, and if we don't step back and, and consider the possibility that why, why did it bother me so bad? I mean, why did, it, why did they hurt me so bad with what they said or what they did? Is that person getting the brunt of a different conflict you are having with someone else or even with yourself? If you're hating somebody, if you're hating all white people because of what a white person did to you, or you're hating all black people because of what a black person did to you, or if you're hating all men because all men are dogs and you've, they've all treated you wrong, then you're probably not capable of a healthy relationship. I hate to say it. Because what happens is now that's a part of you and you're bringing that into every conflict from that point on. And, and so when I think about, okay, the conflicts that I've had with people, most of the time if I would step back just a little bit, it's like, yeah, why'd you jump all over them? Why'd you, give them, why'd you yell at them? Why'd you, make, why'd you belittle them? Why'd you do that? And it's like, you know, they really didn't do me that wrong. Uh, it's just that it, it pinged something inside of me that was already there. 
This is the first step of conflict resolution. That's why it's built into the love the Lord God with all your mind, heart, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you got to get into some self stuff to understand how this relationship thing is supposed to go with other people. See, the problem with poor Cain is he kills his brother. And what are we told that the Bible says? The Bible says that God put a mark on Cain. Well, there's been a lot of stupid theology, or, and I don't even call it theology, stupid speculation about what the mark of Cain was. You know, was it like a big dot on his forehead? Was it, you know, I don't know. They, they, all kinds of stupid, even racist things have been, been suggested. I tell you what the mark of Cain is, is that an unagreeable man sticks out in the crowd is that when you don't do the work of introspection with the work of the Holy Spirit and rule over yourself by the word of God, you stick out in the crowd like you have a birthmark. Dude, you don't want to hang out with him. Man, he loses it all the time. You know, the Bible warns us about hanging out with an angry man. You know, it's like the breaking forth of a wall of a city. It's like you just don't want to hang out with And And when we can't do the honest work of looking and seeing how what we contribute to the conflict, it marks us. You know, and people will leave Crosstown and, and, or any other church and they're like, well, I didn't let the pastor, he kind of ticked me off. You know, and thinking that they're going to go to Seacoast and it's going to be okay. It's like, no, you're just going to bring that mark with you. They're going to find out you're an angry man or an angry woman or a doofus too. They're going to find it's going to be a mark. And, well, you're going to get rid of your last husband. You're going to get a new husband. And it's like you're going to find out you're just angry. And you're marked with it. And for, and for some of us, we, just, we always assess blame to the other person when we don't realize that we're walking around with the mark of Cain. We're going to learn today that you got to fix yourself before you can fix the world. And God tries to get Cain to work on Cain, but... But Cain's murder is just an expression that, that Cain is giving up on working on himself. And Abel just happens to be the wrong guy in the room. Another story that you may remember is the story of the queen in, the, in Snow White. She's never happy with herself, is she? And we know she stands every day in front of that mirror and she says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? See, her unresolved question of self, self-worth will always bring in her into conflict with others. Always. This gal will never be able to make a relationship work because she's unresolved about her own self-worth. And, and I know what that's like. Most of my conflicts with you or with anybody else in this world has not been about how you have done me wrong. It's about how I have self-image issues and self-worth issues, and you just happened to say the wrong thing. You didn't know that that would, you know, get me to wig out in some, some crazy way. So I thought, I wrote down, out of my own experience, I wrote down what were, what were her four options are. What are the four options that this lady has that were the same as mine? One, you will have to work consistently at being the fairest of them all. Okay, good luck with that. And let me just tell you, speaking for those over 60, it's, you know, I look better on a couch than anywhere else in the whole wide world. I'm telling you, it is, 
you can just get caught in trying to overachieve just because you want to be the fairest of them all because you just think you have to be the fairest of them all. So that's one thing you'll, that's one way you'll have to solve it. Two, a different way you can do it is kill the one who is the fairest of them all, and that's the way the Disney movie goes or tries to go. But you'll also have to kill every challenger that walks in the room. Oh my goodness, you're gonna have to be the prettiest all the time because that door can just open up and in she walks in slow motion, her hair blowing. You're, you know, and your husband's under your arm and you're pulling him a little bit tighter so he can't see her, but he sees her and he trips over himself as the drool is coming out of the side of his mouth, you know? And you go home and it's miserable and you give him living heck for all of it. Why? Um, but that's what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to kill. There's another th option, number three. Okay, you can either... Work real hard to always be the best in the room. Two, kill everybody who's a challenger to it. Or three, stop looking in mirrors. Ha, huh. that's, that's good. I mean, that really is good. That's not just clever. That's good. It, it's like, wait a minute. Why, why, am I, why am I asking this mirror? Why am I asking my self-reflection about my personal value? Don't I get my value someplace else? And that leads us to number four. It's time to ask a better question. Instead of who's the fairest of them all, it's like, God, what do you think of me? What does my creator think about me? Instead of what does the mirror think about me? I mean, mirrors, we need to give up on mirrors. Okay, here's where it really gets bad. It's now they got these mirrors that you don't need to go to the gym anymore, and I need to buy a Peloton $3,000 mirror Okay, and I can put it in my, in my and all of a sudden, this, this uh, cute person, I don't care if it's a guy or a gal, they, they all of a sudden show up from New York and they put in their headphones on and, and they're getting there and they're in a the little outfit. They don't have ugly people at this, you know. And so they're in the mirror and they're like, hey, good morning, good morning. And then let's begin our workout, you know. And they, and they work up against like this and, and I'm just dropping F-bombs left and right, you know. My gut's getting in the way and, and it's like, it's like you paid $3,000 for another mirror to tell you you're fat, overweight, old, and balding. Okay, those are my five worst fears just exposed right there. <laughs> oh, man. And I am I'm, I'm on my way. So um, some relationships fail or stay failed because of how we see ourselves. When we, resolve the, uh, when we resolve the issue of value about us and our peace comes from that and who we are in Christ, who God made us to be, it creates a safe space for other people to move back in. See, are you waiting for the other person to smarten up and then come back? Is that, or are you waiting for the other person to say they're sorry? or to figure out how stupid they are or how wrong they were or how immoral they are. And when you figure that out, you can come back over for Thanksgiving dinner. Is that really how resolution occurs? Or is it possible that once we discover how much we're forgiven and loved of God, we create what I call a new landscape around us. 
We pick up the personal trash around us, the anger, the resentment, the jealousy, the insecurity. We pick it all up so that it invites a person to come back onto our landscape. You have to change your personal landscape to be one that others want to be in. I want to show you a video clip. This is really, uh, it's... You're going to see in the middle of this video clip, I don't want to talk about it, you're going to, you're going to see a, a young man with uh, severe disabilities uh, try to wrestle. And you're going to see um, a young, another young man in that point, in that match, change the landscape. You're going to see people at baseball games. Um, and you're going to see them do something. And you're going to see two boxers. And you're going to see one boxer is winning, but yet you're going to see them surrender something in the middle of it. You're going to see white people doing kind things to black people, black people doing kind things to Asian people, Asian people doing... You're going to see just little acts that change the landscape. Let's watch together. Fan. The fan had it. He dropped it. He's upset. Nate Sherholz is kind enough to toss it back to the seats and the Marlin fan the Marlin fan gets the ball from Sherholtz and it goes here buddy it's all yours look at that look at it for some oh now wait a minute now he's coming back down and look he's gonna uh, give it to the little boy oh now that's even better
kidding me? This kid's going to do this? That is big. Oh, my goodness. What a nice young man. Well, he's got a Diamondbacks hat, but we have to get something for that kid. Got, that I can't believe I just witnessed that. That is that just, awesome. You, that, young man, are a young star. are awesome. What an amazing little video. I think the one that affected me the most was the wrestler who just pulls the other person on him, using his strength to bring a victory to another person's life. But the one boxer who doesn't know that he's beat is probably concussed. And the other boxer, it's not all about winning the argument. It's not all about winning the fight, proving who's more moral. It's like, listen, this person's hurting so bad. This person can't even make a good decision. I need to create a safe space for this person to have a win. See, all this needs to happen before we win, before we fight, before we argue. See, so let me ask you this right now, and, and I'm, this is kind of a little social experiment. Do you kind of feel good right now? I mean, I don't know if you've been watching the Palestinians in Israel I don't know if you've been watching cities burn in Minnesota, race issues, or whatever goes on. And well, didn't it feel good for a moment to just feel like, wow, the landscape really could change with just one arm's reach of a baseball, that the landscape could change? Now, you got that feeling with you. Why can't we take that feeling with us right now, like home? Like to work. Why can't we take that, that sense? Isn't all your aggression gone right now? I even love Tom Brady in this moment. So I'm here to show you that God wants to let you know it can change. It can change. But if you want it to change, I know you think the other person needs to get fixed. But maybe we should stop and step back and just wait a minute. And do the work that Cain never did. Maybe find out that there's a mark on us that God wants to remove. Jesus goes on with this teaching and he talks about it. I love it. And speaking about relationships, and this is about relationships. In Luke 6, 37, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, I know that this isn't how, how redemption works because it, it comes to us through the cross, finished work of Christ. This is too much more works-based, okay? No, this is, God, this is Christ talking about how we treat one another. Now, we also know that Jesus did a lot of judging during his days, discerning between right and wrong, green lights and red lights. We, we're called to make those kinds of dis moral distinctions, but what Jesus talks about is how we handle these distinctions and how they move towards condemning. And condemning in its original language means to pass a sentence against someone. It's to take your gavel and bang it on the table and you sentence a person. This is about changing the landscape that is called to be rich with forgiveness taking the stale air out of judgment. Um, I used to be a real estate agent, and when you'd go into a house, sometimes showing a client a house, sometimes the house would be empty. You'd see on the kitchen table a bunch of business cards that somebody had shown the house. 
But there would be something else evident in the house. It would be the stale air. You'd walk around with the young couple that had dreams about how this house could be their first house and awesome. But as a real estate agent, you had to navigate them through the smell, the carpet, you know, the, the bathroom that looked like something had smelled like something had just died or was dying at that moment in it. That room that was, had dripping nicotine because they closed all the vents because they didn't want somebody else to get the smoke. And so it was just dripping. Well, you can paint that wall and you can fix that wall. But the stale air was evident. See, people know when you give up on them. They can smell it. They walk into, oh, yeah, uh, um, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not welcome here anymore. I'm not loved here any longer. I'm, this isn't my room any longer. People can smell the stale air. Just because someone has done something we don't agree with, that doesn't mean that the air has to become stale. Matter of fact, we're told in one of the epistles that the gospel is, is to those who are being saved by it, it is a, a fragrance and an aroma of salvation. It's like God leads us with a good smell. And Jesus continues in the same thing, and, and now I'm just going to ruin something for you. Uh, he's about to say something that most of the time you've heard pastors use this to get money. Uh, this verse has been used more about money than anything else. Now, if when I read this, it makes you think about giving money, then go ahead and do that. Um, if, if you feel compelled to give money after I read it, that's great. I am not saying it doesn't. Apply to money, but I will say this. It is not its context. Jesus has always talked about judging, and then he goes right from that to this next point. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, runneth over, will be put in your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Relationships are reciprocal. You will get back what you're putting out. So if you're waiting for your son to come back or your daughter to come back, if, if you're putting out because you don't agree with your, your gay child's life choices and you filled their life with stale air, you're going to get stale air back. Pressed down, shaken over, runneth over. Boy, it sounds so much better when it's applied to money. But it's actually talking about how we deal with one another. But if you create a new landscape and you put grace and mercy and forgiveness in it and you, you have the landscape and you give out of that, well, guess what you're going to get back from that broken relationship? Pressed down, shaken over, running over. Forgiveness and mercy and restoration. If you're putting out a stale funk, expect one back. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. So it's really like, have you ever gone into a room and kind of like done, you know, like one of those, you know, and it's kind of like, or ask a friend, you know, to see if you got bad breath, you know? I, I think what Jesus is like, listen, before you go starting to fix the rest of the world, let's see if you, you're putting off a stink. Before you go give your son a piece of your mind, and how disappointed you are with him. Oh, that's going to work. 
Oh, that's going to work. I mean, I'm just saying it out loud. How ridiculous is that? To make sure you understand here, you know, oh, Jesus keeps talking about relationships. Again, in context, I'm pulling this all out of a stream of context. He said to them, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? This is important. Rage, unresolved anger, jealousy, insecurity, unforgiveness, and intolerance will all blind you from leading the relationship in the right direction. Again, you got to fix yourself before you try to go and fixing other people. You know, you've, you know, with, with your own inconsistencies and your own compromises, it's, it's really hard to, to present moral high ground to work from, to draw somebody back into it. Jesus continuing to talk about the relationships. He says, why do you see the speck? Oh, can I kind of set this up better because it reads better this way. Jesus is about to ask two questions. What is the normal format of asking a question, especially when you're in a teaching mode? You ask a question, and then maybe you, you get an answer, right? Okay, so I, I want you to see how Jesus does this. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log, log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself uh, do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. He's like, don't answer. I'm not wanting an answer from you. I got your answer. It's like, what? It's like, that is serious. He's like, yeah. Before you start trying to fix church, America, is there anything about church you need to start fixing? Oh, yeah, we could crucify a million gay people for gay marriage. But yet we're, we're divorcing at the same rate as unsaved people are divorcing. 80% of, un, of Christian young adults are living together. But we're all going to join together against the gays. And we're going to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I just, I think it's ridiculous. God says judgment will fall, but he falls first with the house of God. It's like, I need you guys to check, check your, your logs. Okay, I'm not saying that this is right over here, by no means. I, I'm not saying there isn't wrong over there. That's right, but it's like, no, you're not really qualified to do the job. Not you. Says you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. I think a hypocrite is one who does not see their own failures in the same light they see the failures of others. The first step in relational healing is to see yourself rightly or the way that God wants you. Remember how I had to find the alligator? Didn't even know the alligator was there. I had to bring the picture into the light room. I had to allow light to be adjusted and focus and zoom to occur. That's what the word of God does for us. I, I don't, you know, I read the scriptures to help me with my relationships you know, I'm already going to heaven. I'm not reading them to try to get me to go to heaven or prove to God I should go to heaven. It's like, no, I want a little bit of zoom in and I want a little uh, contrast adjustment. It's like, oh, wow, I've been, I've been ticked at my father for 25 years 
And this is about my insecurities, not his. Maybe I could get back to the business of healing that relationship. So I've coined this phrase. You have to delog to unspec. If you want to pull the speck out of somebody else's eye, you got to delog first. You can't accurately, accurately operate in relational restoration if you are still blind to the facts about you. If you're still looking into the mirror and going, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? You are probably not qualified to heal a relationship. See, this is not about them being gay anymore, is it? It's not about what they said wrong to you. This is not, I mean, we try to wholesale it. Well, all white people are bad and all black people are bad. And we need to, you know, we're all they're all racist. All men are dogs and all women can't be trusted. And that's how, how we do it. It's because we don't want to turn the light on in here and find out, you know, it may not be all of them. It may not be her. It may be me. I better get this thing out of my eye before I start trying to go like that with them. You have to delog to unspec. And the problem is your delogging may have nothing to do with that conflict. It may have something to do with your temperament. You know, I have to delog all the time because everybody says on staff that when I'm angry, they can tell, or when I'm like, I'm coming because I, I changed the way that I walk, right? I, you know, I'm pretty cool. Normally, I'm, I walk like this. You know, you've seen me around town just doing this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when I'm not, I'm, I, 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 I'm like cab forward design. I'm like, and they'll see me come around the corner and I'll hear doors going, chukun, chukun, chukun. and it's like, wow. It's like I actually will put off a body stink, okay? And, and maybe delogging has nothing to do with the conflict. Maybe it has something to do with your temperament or your way that you talk to people. That's why it's great to have people around you who can say, like Ricky and Stacy and my wife and my kids that can say to me, hey, Paul, I know you love people. I know you really want the best for them, but dude, you're just a little intense. You got to back it down a little bit. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll de-log. Um, I'm not sure how Jesus meant this statement. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck? Now, I don't know how, and, and I, I'm being honest, I don't know how he's saying that statement. I wish I had a recording of the intonation of his voice and maybe hear more explanation about it. So I'm going to give you two different ways that he, he might have meant it. He could, how can you say, he could have said, how dare you, sir? Based upon your own moral inconsistencies, how dare you go after them the way that you're going after them? That could be one way he's saying it. He could be saying it this way. It could be said and heard in a way that says, you can speak to the speck in your brother's eye because you don't want to leave him with something stuck in his eye. And it may be received by them, but only after personal introspection and correction. How is someone going to hear when, when they know that you are deaf to your own failings? 
So I think it's both. I think he was, I think he was kind of like, how dare you, man, talking to them about that. You know? Um, but I also think it's like, but it is possible to speak to that son or that daughter or to that husband or to that wife if you're willing to first do some introspection guided by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you, they might just come back in the door because it doesn't smell stale anymore and because the landscape has been changed and they may just go like this to you. Do I got something in my eye? If your personal landscape is littered with rage, unresolved anger, and God is really, I mean, that's a different message, but God is really talking to me about my rage. I have, I have rage issues, and he's talking to me about it. Uh, so you're safe. Um, unresolved anger, jealousy, insecurity, unforgiveness, intolerance. Um, if these things are still in your landscape, you'll never heal broken relationships. Even if that stuff doesn't have anything to do with the relationship. It doesn't stay in its place. Trash blows across the highway. Cans roll down the road. It doesn't stay in its place. Matthew 12, 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the bad person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Neglect, avoidance, passive aggressiveness will never resolve conflicts or restore the joy to a relationship. So as we go into this moment of, of we're, we're entering the light room, and it's, Jesus is running the light room, and he's inviting us to the table of Christ, and he's, he's like, okay, let's, let's turn on some, let's do some contrast balance here. Let's zoom in, let's zoom in a little bit, and let's talk about what's going on inside of your heart. You know, let's, let's find out what's going on. Why are you still talking to that mirror? I really think that the Holy Spirit today, that is the phrase of the day, is that too many of us are speaking to, the, to a mirror. I don't care if it's trying to get your daddy's approval. I don't care if it's your physical appearance. I don't, I, I'm serious. I think some of us are staring at a mirror and God's like, stop trying to get your answer out of a mirror. Some of us, God is saying, delog before you unspec. Change your landscape. What's the air like over your place? Does it smell forgiving, loving, accepting? Become safe. Boy, poor Cain walked around and he was unsafe and God marked him. You know why? It's like, this is an abuser. This is an unsafe person to have a relationship. And he's like, I'm going to let everybody else know you're unsafe, dude, because you're not willing to do inventory with God. You're not willing to rule over your life with God's word. So I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going to have to mark you. And that's going to make people kind of go the long way around you. Doesn't that stink? Oh. But in the, in the forgiveness of God... The stain of sin is removed. That God can transform us in our hearts. God can make us safe. So that's the question I'd like to ask. As you go to the safe place of the table of Christ, he's not only giving you forgiveness in a safe place, 
He wants you to become a safe place. Are you safe? Could your daughter or son walk in, even though you totally disagree with their religious choice, their lifestyle choices, whatever it is, can they walk into your house and smell the fragrance of redemption? Are you safe? You say, well, man, this is going to be hard. It's like, I don't know. Give them the ball. Just give them some love. It changed our hearts. The video was only three minutes long, and about a third of you were crying. And I know all of us were touched. So if you've given up on your relationship, it's just you. God hasn't. Fathers, we're in this special place right now. We're in a safe place. Lord God, you're, you're here through your Holy Spirit to teach us. Now, God, you don't just tell us to focus on ourselves because that's just another mirror. Me listening to me is just making me into a, a wicked king. But God, you have invited me in a place of grace and mercy and forgiveness under the light of the Holy Spirit in a place that you call beloved, forgiven, love, chosen, calling, called. I'm all these beautiful things, Lord God. You dare me to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to me about me, not about my estranged relationship, about me. How approachable am I? Am I safe? And God, if I'm not safe, help me. Help me. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me, oh God. Lead me in a right path. Restore a right spirit within me, oh God. And this is where it all starts. Then I can love my neighbor because I'm rightly related to myself in the light of Christ. Let me invite you to the safe place the table of Christ.